We're starting a new series that we're calling Home Improvement. Um, now, us old folks, we're thinking of Tim Allen's sitcom, Kids. That was, that was when Buzz Lightyear sold tools. We'll get to that some other time. But um, the, the, that's not what we're talking about. We're going we're gonna to talk about our, our homes as in our, our families. We're going to attempt to focus not on the physical place that we live, but on our own household. We're, we're going to introduce the series this week, and we're going to discuss the, the blueprint uh, if you will, that's going to be God's plan for uh, for how we uh, how how we have a, a home, how we build our home, how we build our house. Um, that's this week. Then in the following weeks, next week Todd's going to to be here and and speak um, in my place, and then uh, then we'll pick back up with uh, what we're calling home inspection, and and then we're going to talk about demo day. And uh, then we're going to talk about determination, and hopefully, the there will be things that uh, that we can take with us and and build up our homes, especially uh, right now, as as a lot of us are uh, are experiencing some difficulty with that. Um, homes are all different, right? And and that's not a bad thing. Have you ever seen those cookie cutter communities? You know what I'm talking about, where all the houses look alike, and you can't tell. Where, I, sometimes we we bought one of those when we first started out because that's all we could afford. But no, those things, you, you get you get a little claustrophobic, and, and it's all the same, and nobody wants that. We we like a little individuality. We like a little different, and and that's the same thing not just with houses, but with our families, with our homes. Um, and there's a lot of differences in the way our houses look. Um, there are a lot of different homes represented, not just in this building, but, but online. You may be watching and, and you, your home doesn't fit the typical model. There are, uh, there are homes with one parent. There are homes with two parents. There are homes with, uh, with toddlers. There are homes with grown children. There are homes with uh, those who are, are faithful and those who are, are not so much. There are homes with, without children yet. Or there are empty nesters who, whose children have, have grown and gone on. But regardless of what your home looks like, we're, we're not here to tell you this morning that, that your home is right or wrong or, or any of that kind of stuff. We're, we're not here to tell you that your family is judged by God. We're going to talk about regardless of what your home looks like, regardless of what your family looks like, there are biblical, scriptural uh, ways that we can build our homes up, that we can engage the Word of God and find scriptural ways to strengthen our families. And, and we need that, right? Especially right now. There's a, uh, there was an old couple, an elderly couple that was watching the news one night. And they're, they're sitting there watching the news and it's just one bad thing after another. And the husband goes, my word, will you look at this? What did our generation do wrong? And the wife says, we had children. Uh, we laugh, but, but in some cases... That, that might be true. Or, or the young bride who showed up at the hospital with her new husband to visit her great-great-grandmother. And, and she came up beside her and she says, Granny, I want you to meet someone. This is my new husband. And the young man came up and, and was introducing himself. And, and the woman just stared at him for a long time, didn't say a word. And it got more and more awkward and weird. And, and, and finally, the, the, the lady said, do you desire children? 
The young man was a little bit taken aback, and he stuttered and stammered. Yes, yes, ma'am, yes, I do, very much. And she says, try to control that. That was her advice. Sometimes that, that's, not the, the, that's not the home advice that we want to give you. The solution to building stronger homes is not not building. The solution to building stronger homes, that, that doesn't create a home. That, that doesn't uh, create anything. Biblically, though, there is a blueprint. There is a blueprint in Scripture, that, that a guide or a framework for, for stronger homes. One of the places we're going to find that is in Psalm 127 and 128. If you have your Bibles, that's going to be our text this morning. Psalm 127 and 128. These two little companion psalms are, are written by Solomon, chronicling the path of the family. From inception to expansion to fulfillment to finally the, the empty nest years. And each phase is, is portrayed within these two small psalms. And within those phases, I think we can find a little bit of a blueprint for building up Stronger home. Psalm 127, read with me, verse 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now let's stop right there. He narrows it down specifically to the home, but, but he begins with a broader principle. And, and that principle is anything you do, whether building a house, guarding a city, or working in your job is worthless unless the Lord is in it. Twice he repeats the phrase, unless the Lord. And three times he hammers us with this notion that, that, that this word vain, making the point that the only possibilities there are are the Lord blesses your efforts or it's worthless or it's in vain. Now why does he make this point? Because... We all have this propensity to see ourselves and our efforts as primary or, and, and to relegate God to a secondary role in what we do. We, we take the credit for our accomplishments, whether they be our family or whether they be our career or, or whatever in our life. We like to take the credit for those things and, and give God a polite tip of the hat. And when we do that, we rob God of His glory. Since we don't see our total need of God, we fail to properly thank Him for the wonderful things that He has done for us, to us, and through us. This foundational principle means that the most important factor on the home front is not having the latest techniques or, or reading the latest books or understanding the, the, the latest theory as far as how to raise your, your children. It's not going to the, the correct seminars or watching the right videos. The most crucial factor in building a home is that you walk in genuine humility before the Lord. That is the most important thing that we can do. When we walk in humility before God, when we allow Him to be the home builder, when we cast ourselves in a, in a light of, of, of His grace by, by lifting our homes to Him in, in faith and in prayer, then, then we allow Him to take control. See, you can work hard at building your family. You can, you can be diligent and, and guard your kids from harm. You can make sacrifices to provide for what they need. But if God's blessing is not on your home, you're wasting your time. That's what Solomon says. A, a truly fulfilled, satisfying home is built by acknowledging my own inability. 
Now, kids don't realize this, and some of you young families, you don't realize this either. None of us know what we're doing. I'm letting the secret out of the bag. Your parents didn't know what they were doing. You don't come with an instruction manual. They hand you to your mom and dad, and we go, what have I done? Because I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. Now, we'll rely on how our parents raised us, whether, whether we do it like them or whether we rebel and try to do it a different way than they did. But, but we really don't know. And God says, that's why you've got to let me be the home builder. You can work hard and waste your time. A number of years ago, 2010, there was a great earthquake in Haiti. And the destruction was catastrophic. Houses were leveled, buildings were destroyed, there was, there was destruction everywhere. From an earthquake that, in California terms, would not have been that big a deal. And as the relief workers got there, and as they were trying to figure out, why is, why is this destruction so rampant from this earthquake? The underlying problems were that the houses were built with too much sand and not enough steel. The, the, the sand was cheap, and so because of the poverty in Haiti, they built their homes with cheaper materials. They used more sand than they should have in their mortar mix. They used more sand than they should have in their, in their cement. Because steel is expensive, they didn't use a whole lot of steel. And, and so when the ground quaked, the houses crumbled because there was too much sand and not enough steel. It was a tragedy of poverty. And unfortunately, that's what happens to a lot of us in our families. Because of our poverty of spirit, we try to build things our way instead of God's way. And so we build marriages based on too much lust and not enough love, and then we're surprised when they shatter. We build reputations on too much pride and not enough humility, and we're surprised when that falls. We, we build families on too much busyness and, and not on enough time, and then we're surprised when they crumble. We build our friendships and our relationships on, on criticism or, 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 and, and not on enough grace, and, and then they crumble. The wrong materials and the wrong builder will always lead to failure. Too many times we're looking at the shattered remains of our crumbled homes and, and we realize that it's not anybody's fault but mine. We built these things ourselves instead of letting God be the builder. The first two verses of Psalm 127 tell us that a stronger home is dependent on God. A home built on a foundation of grace. That's what Solomon says when he talks about he gives his beloved sleep. That when we understand that grace, that you are loved by God, it changes the way you react and it changes the way you relate. Not just in public, not just in church, but in your home. And so we have to, to trust God that, that He does love us, that we are beloved. And when we do that, we reflect that grace to everyone around us. The great pioneer missionary David Livingstone wrote to a, a friend, I hope you're playing with your children. In looking back, I have one regret, and that's that I did not feel it my duty to play with my children as much as to teach the natives. I worked very hard at that and was tired out at night. Now I have none to play with. So my friend, play while you may. 
That's good advice. That, that seeking God's blessings for our family means understanding the balance between my job and my home life. It's about culture. It's about creating a social culture within our homes. Urban Meyer, the famous football coach, was lecturing a bunch of coaches one time. And, and he told them, you don't win or lose football games with schemes. Schemes are overrated. I can show you people winning with a particular scheme, and I can show you people using the same scheme and losing. They're running the same stuff and losing. Scheme is a tiny portion of a coach's job. You win or lose in football with players and culture. And he says the coach's job was to create that winning culture. I think that replies to our homes. Building our homes involves creating a culture, and it needs to be a culture that is focused on God. Psalm 127 shows us that a, a, a fulfilled, satisfying home depends on God's blessings, and that seeking God's blessings means understanding that principle of grace, but it also means, means finding a balance between our faith and our works, and it, and it means finding a balance between my career and my life. Pick it up in verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gates. This home, created and blessed by God, enjoys the blessing of godly children. This, this verse says that your children are a blessing. They are a gift, a reward, uh, indirectly a blessing given to you by God. They're not burdens or interruptions. They're not distractions from our pursuit of our, our careers or our, or our happiness. They are a treasure that has been given to us by our Creator. Now, if children are a gift from God, then, then there are two applications that follow that. First, we need to communicate verbally to our children what a blessing they are. They need to hear from us. They need to hear from you that, that they are a blessing in your life, that they are precious to you. Some of us, especially guys, men, let's be honest, we're not real good at this. We're, we're not real good at communicating our feelings verbally. And that's just being a guy. It's okay, but we've got to consciously make an effort. Our children need to hear that they are precious, that they are blessings, that they are gifts from God. Not to build their self-esteem or any of that current psychobabble, but, but to let them know that their value is not based on grades or sports performance or looks or any of the things that the world tells them they're valued for. They are valued because they are a precious child of God. They are a blessing. They are created in the image of God, and He has given them to us. We need to communicate that verbally. We also need to communicate it nonverbally. We need to show them by our actions that they are important, that they are precious. I, I remember this hit me the most. One time I was, I was doing something. I don't even remember what I was doing. And I was on the phone, and it was something ministry-related, and I was talking to somebody, and Olivia came up, and she had something she wanted to show me, and I said, not now, baby, this is important. And I didn't realize it at the time, but what I'm communicating to her is that this is more important than you. And I don't want to send that message. It doesn't mean that either one is less important, but I don't want her to think 
that this is more important than her. And so I have to communicate non-verbally. They have to figure out from me by my actions. Sometimes they have to see me put them first, literally. We communicate non-verbally to them how precious they are. See, Solomon compares children to arrows in the hand of a warrior. Now that, that simile suggests a couple of things. First, you don't just find arrows laying around. Arrows have to be shaped. They have to be sharpened. Back then, they didn't just go to academy and buy arrows. They didn't just go and pick out a pack of, of new tips and screw them on there. An, an arrow required work. It required shaping. It required sharpening. It, it required a lot of care to get the things just right so that it would fly straight. It, it, it was the same thing with building a home, with building a family. It required work. It's, it's not untypical of God's gift that, that first they're liabilities and, and then they become responsibilities before they become assets. What that means is the greater the promise, the more likely that these children are going to be a handful. I, I think that's just part of it. And, and we have to expect that a lot of our kids are going to be a handful before they become a quiverful. That's part of it. Children don't grow into straight, sharp arrows by being left to themselves, the iPad, or the TV set. And that's hard for us as parents to hear, but it's true. The other part is, arrows aren't worth anything if they stay in the quiver. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm just getting to the part where I got teenagers. Some of y'all are nodding your head right now because you know what I'm talking about. I don't like the idea of letting my arrows go. I want to keep my arrows in my quiver. Because they're safe there. Because nobody's going to mess with them there. But that's not what the arrow is designed for. The arrow is designed to be shot at the target, to be released. And, and I have to prepare them for that. I have to prepare them to be released. I have to, to, to put some skill and some direction into this. Psalm 128 picks it up. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways, you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. The blessing of a strong home is a direct result of our relationship with God. Blessed means happy, fulfilled, satisfied. And it says for us to have a blessed, strong home, it is directly connected to our relationship with God. It involves fearing the Lord and walking in His ways. Now, this time of year, fear means something different. You can't turn on the TV without everything being uh, spooky movies and ghost stories and scary stuff. That's not the kind of fear it's talking about. Fear, biblically, means to hold reverent, to hold in awe. So this is not being scared that God's going to smite you. If you misstep, this is about holding God in reverence, holding God in a place of sanctity, in a place of awe and majesty that he deserves. And, and if we walk in his ways, if we hold him in that place of awe, then we will be blessed. We will be happy. We will be satisfied. What do those blessings look like? Now, if you've been around here much, you've heard me rail against the prosperity gospel. I'm not telling you that, that if you just trust God, you're going to get a new Lexus. That's not what I'm talking about. Because the Bible's version of success and our version of success are a lot of times different. 
the blessing of God is going to look like success in, in the blessing of my home, in the blessing of my career, in the blessing of my life. It looks like a happy and fulfilled relationship with my spouse, with my children. These are the promises of the blessings that God is offering us. How do we get those blessings, the, the blessings that we all want? Psalm 128 says, By holding God in the reverence and awe that He deserves and by walking in His ways. That brings blessings. The Lord bless you from Zion, verse 5. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Ask any grandparent out here, and they will tell you that one of life's greatest blessings is grandchildren. I thought I'd at least get an amen out of that. Come on, grandchildren, grandparents. And, and Solomon agrees with that. That's backed up by Scripture. He says that a reward, a blessing for, for you holding him in reverence and awe, for walking in his ways, is that he's going to give you the opportunity to see your children's children. Those grandchildren are a blessing. Now, a lot of us, a, a, a lot of times, Nowadays, we're seeing grandparents who are so obsessed and so worried about their own problems and their own needs and their own desires that, that they're not involved in that. Don't do that. Don't neglect God's blessings because you're so worried about whatever it is you're worried about. Those blessings are there for you. And you have the opportunity to be a blessing to them. That's important. The way you find blessings Solomon says, the way you build a strong, healthy, happy, blessed home is by holding Him in reverence and awe, by keeping God in the primary place of the builder of the home, by, by cherishing then the gifts, the blessings that He bestows upon you, and, and using those arrows in service to His kingdom. He promises us blessings and prosperity. Not God's going to buy you your own private jet, but that you will be blessed with, he says, the, the fruits of your labor. That you will have a healthy, strong, blessed home. This morning, there are a lot of us who may feel like our homes are, are, are like those houses in Haiti. That, that we've been struggling to build them ourselves, and it's a mess. We were talking about home remodeling at my house the other day. and Hillary says, well, you can, you can build that. <laughs> I appreciate your confidence in me, but I've seen the things that I build. And I don't want those in my house. Um, i, I got to know my own limits. And, and the same thing applies to our families. I've seen the things that Jeff can build, and I've seen the things that God can build. And I definitely want his more than mine. This morning, if you're trying to figure out how to get your family back on track, let us help you. Not that we have, I'm not going to give you a book, I'm not going to give you a video or a seminar. We're going to help you find the real builder. Find a better relationship with him. To hold him in the reverence and awe that he deserves. We'll do that through prayer. We believe that prayer is the work of the church, and as a body, we commit that that's something that we are about. And we will lift you up in prayer to our God because He is the only one who can be the builder that we need. Let's, let's begin by holding God in reverence and awe. 
Let's, let's continue by committing that we will walk in his ways. And then let's watch as he fulfills his promises and blesses us the way he's told us he will. If we can help you with your home improvement, won't you come right now while together we stand and sing. So hey to its bring this the fount of love from the source above and he bids us all freely drink. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come this for you and me? Thirsty soul hear the welcome call. This a fountain open for all.